Welcome to another episode of Conduct Detrimental. Reporting from the road this week, heading home from a lawyer not-for-profit event is me, Dan Lust, and joined alongside Justin Mater and Zach Bryson. Guys, it's been a minute since I've had both of you on. What's it been like a month or so since we did our episode? Yeah, it's been quite a quite a little little bit of time, but glad to be back. Yeah, we got the Formula One gang back together. I'm excited. We got the disgusting brothers. The disgusting <laughs> brothers. We are back. So listen, we we uh, promised an episode once once a week, and sometimes, you know, we uh, we have an, uh, an event through the law firm, and the event goes a little bit long. Lot not for profits. We're celebrating some good causes, and uh, we just decided to record from the road. That's what we all do. That's a totally normal thing that everybody does, and that's what's happening. So I apologize for the audio. Justin, Zach, you have guys have told me my audio sounds like a two or three out of 10, but we live and learn. We live and learn. So on the docket today, we'll keep this part short and sweet, but we want to educate you guys each and every week at the intersection of sports and law. We're going to be talking about, we'll call it betting gate, the uh, NFL's kind of battle on a, on a random week, weekday. We get like five, six players in the NFL suspended for betting. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about a really interesting story out of the world of Formula One and artificial intelligence. That's an, an odd combo. But Michael Schumacher, Formula One, great. I guess he's involved in a controversy. We'll, we'll certainly talk about that. And then we're going to, uh, we have the, it's really NFL draft week this week. Uh, we're going to talk about some stories around uh, some legal stories, some kind of quasi-legal stories around the NFL draft. And then uh, speaking of NFL, maybe an update on the Brett Favre saga. Okay. But I will, uh, I will cede the floor at this point. Uh, the NFL betting gate, betting saga. Justin, can you explain to our listeners what went on, what the punishments were, and where we go from here? Absolutely. The uh, NFL released a gambling policy back in 2018 when sports gambling first got legalized in the United States for obvious reasons. And this past week, they handed down five separate suspensions to four different Detroit Lions players and one Washington Commander player. Four Lions players were Jameson Williams, Quintez Cephas, Stanley Berryhill, and CJ Moore. Three of those being in their wide receiving core, which is not great for the team. And then the fifth player, the Washington Commanders, defensive end Shaka Tony. Now, the wide receivers for the Detroit Lions, Barry Hill and Williams, were only handed a six-game suspension, while the rest, the other three, were handed indefinite suspensions. And this has already had ripples throughout the NFL as both Moore and Cephas were released from the Detroit Lions. The Lions released a statement basically saying that they were cutting ties with the two players following their indefinite suspensions, but we're going to work with both Barry Hill and Williams to help educate them on the policy to make sure that this does not happen again. And it's just incredible that with the stories that we saw last year, how players are still getting in trouble for betting on different games. And there is a difference in the reason that there was a six game suspension versus a definite suspension. So Zach, do you want to go ahead and tell them why there's such a difference in the length of time for these suspensions? Yeah. So with the the two indefinite suspensions, the, the players were betting on NFL games. So not games that they were personally playing in, but other NFL games that were occurring, you know, at the time that they were uh, on the teams. So the other two players that were uh, suspended for six games and not indefinitely were found to have bet or placed bets on some college NCAA games. And so not 
NFL games specifically, which is why we see a little bit of a disparity there just to kind of uh, just because of that, that difference in one is one group is betting on the NFL while the other is not betting on the NFL. So they're, they're trying to make it more of a harsh punishment for those, those players who are betting on the NFL versus those that are still placing bets, which is against this policy, but are not doing it on league games. Can I, can I say something very quick? And by the way, I, I guess we, we should pat ourselves on the back for a little bit. So let's take a quick, quick pause. Like it's not that easy to record a podcast each and every week. So, you know, someone's probably sitting out there. Dan's audio sounds like crap. Dan's driving over a bridge right now. Okay. This is commitment. This is commitment to the craft. Once and every, each and every week, we have to come, we have to give an episode. We have to come with the hardening stuff. So listen, here, here's my take on, on, on this particular side. Like, you know, it is 2023. Um, the story that we're probably not going to cover, but I, I saw the come across my ticker. Maybe Dan Wallach and I will cover it later on. But there was a sports betting coalition that that uh, kind of got together. It's a bunch of the major leagues, major pro sports, and they're trying to kind of curtail the use of betting ads. So I saw, you know, breaking sports betting coalition formed. They're going to, you know, limit the use of ads. And I'm like, it's kind of interesting, like, right, like. NFL has a partnership with, you know, a betting partnership. NHL does with, you know, I think it's with DraftKings. And you have these leagues now forming a coalition to kind of like curtail, you know, betting ads, betting, right? So then you kind of see that news. And that happened, I think, earlier, earlier last week. Guys, Justin, Zach, what, what day did this NFL news break? What was it, like Friday? I think it was Friday. Yeah, Friday. So, like, you have this betting coalition news early in the week. And then you have Friday, like, you have like the red wedding for NFL wide receivers. Like you have everybody just dropped, like the Detroit Lions wide receiver room is now just like decimated. And you know, it's the world we live in. Like everyone is gambling. Everyone is betting on something. And everywhere you look, there's a sports betting ad. So can you draw a straight line from the like legalization of sports betting, you know, in most states and these ad, you know, these betting ads been to five wide receivers or five players getting like, you know, hit it all the same day. Probably. It's probably some correlation. Also, I guess a related question. Why is it that it's just like wide receivers that keep getting in trouble? Like between this and Calvin Ridley, it's just wide receivers that get in trouble. Am I like, am I missing something? Why is it always wide receivers? I don't know. I don't know if it's the free time that they have. I doubt they really have free time. I'm acting like they're not a very important position on the football field, but I think it's more of a coincidence. I I mean, I believe, I, this is my personal opinion, that the reason that it was three wide receivers on the Detroit Lions was probably because they were all talking together. I mean, they're a core group that is on the team together. They're practicing together. So I'm guessing that the three of them got caught up doing it sort of together. And that's just how the wide receivers got into it. I think it's a coincidence that it was also Calvin Ridley happened to be a wide receiver. I got I have one more thing to it. And maybe you guys can confirm this. I believe, I mean, you know, there, there's certain betting, you know, suspicious betting patterns that there's a lot of these sites out there. And we've talked about this entity before uh, a company called us integrity. A friend of mine runs it. A friend of mine's associate. I don't know if he runs it, but like, you know, the, these, these organizations are kind of tasked with finding out where suspicious know where bets are being placed right that's part of the analysis like you know there's there's bets that are being placed and seen that are being bet like at the detroit lions facility right you try to figure out whose phone actually pinged the cell phone towers you look at whose account it was so you know maybe unbeknownst to a lot of people there's a rule that you could not bet at the facility now i'm not sure why that rule makes sense like during you know let's say everyone collects at the you know the lions facility to watch bark madness 
and someone places a bet on college basketball. Why, why are you not allowed to bet in college basketball at the Lions facility? I'm, I'm missing that part of the rules. Anybody anybody care to defend yeah. it? I, I'm not seeing it. I'm, so that's one of the things. I actually, shameless plug here, I have an article that will probably be published on Contract Detrimental's site here in the coming days that I wrote up about this. That was the one thing I had a problem with. I understand that NFL players who bet on NFL games is not a good look. You don't want people who may have insider information or if, if they're betting on their own games, they have a direct effect on the outcome of certain bets. I get that. That's something that as a better myself, I want that integrity to stay intact. But the one where they're talking about the people who bet on college games on NFL facility grounds, I just don't get. And the reason I don't get this rule is because it just doesn't seem to speak to the integrity of the sports betting. It doesn't seem to be gauged at doing that. It seems to be more just controlling the players and sort of overreaching. And I had a discussion with a couple people in the sports betting space about this thinking, why is this rule even a thing? The way that, you know, apps and even desktops or laptops with the sports betting, it's all based on your physical location. Because you have to be in a state where it's legalized. And in some states, you have to be on casino grounds when they have not full online sports betting. So why couldn't they just work with the sports betting companies that I know they're talking to because they have contracts with them? The Lions are affiliated with WinBet. Like they're, they have a sponsor and now they're getting in trouble for betting. Why can't you have the NFL facilities be blacked out with the geolocation? Why can't you just have it to where players can't that because their location will tell them no i'm with you justin like if, if you have the technology to figure out where someone is at a point in time and like you can restrict their bet like i you know my commute i, I cross between new york and connecticut and you know almost every day I'm like sometimes you know i'm i'm uh parking at the gas station in connecticut and i have different bets than what i do in new york there's, there's slightly different you know rules between new york and connecticut and like why can't you just have something on a player's phone that just screens it they're not allowed to bet in the facility won't let them do it like all this really incentivizes which is not not a good thing is players to bet through proxies players to bet through other people like they'll just call someone else and they'll place a bet through them like i'm not saying that's okay but it's just incentivizing players to be smarter about how they're placing their bets i don't love it like we have to be smart here like these players had accounts in their own name i think by unless you guys want to correct me i think it was i think it was their own name so like Going to give them credit for not hiding behind anything. They're not, you know, you know if their fear is someone's going to bet through someone else's account with inside information. These guys didn't do it. They had their own accounts and their own names, at least as, as far as we know right now. I don't know. I don't. I don't like the precedent set. So, Justin, I'm I'm with you 100. percent Like, what are we punishing here? Like, what? Why? Why can't we bet on basketball at the NFL facility? Like, are we worried that like a you know like a cockfighting battle is going to break out and like we're going to go from gambling to drugs and like you know adult entertainment to like a cockfight like that's you know do we think it's a gateway to to other things like you know it's 2023 everyone's got to be a little bit more realistic here yeah i agree with you completely zach do you have anything yeah so one of the things that i, I did want to bring up is that the facilities don't just mean the physical on-site practice facilities and and stadiums facilities extends under this rule to any team charter bus or charter plane team hotels which is why I think it's hard to have that geolocation part for everything. You could absolutely certainly do it with the, the practice facility and the, and the stadium if you're a player. I mean, that's 
large and not going anywhere. And you already have geolocation stuff for sure, but it's, it's a lot harder. I think that's where, especially the two players that were betting on like college sports may have gotten into, uh, into this, this trouble is like, you know, you're sitting on a bus or doing something in a team hotel, quote unquote, and that technically qualifies. So that's, that's definitely a little bit of, uh, of an expansion of what facility means under this rule. Uh, they're definitely sat down at the beginning of every year with all of their, their players, because it's not just the players that are bound by this. It's also all staff. Uh, and actually, staff can't bet or place any bet of any kind on anything, uh, whether it's sports or otherwise. And players have a little bit of leeway if it's not the NFL and not on, on the premises kind of in response to the the insider information kind of kind of tracked uh that's something that personally my personal opinion i don't buy because if you if you really believe in vegas odds vegas odds already incorporate all information and any insider information i mean they're they're trying their best to get those odds as accurate as they can i do understand the the aspect of not wanting them to bet on games that they are going to play in or their teams are going to play in but you know, Vegas odds are going to have just about the best possible knowledge. And you got to think it's like an efficient market. So I don't think there's a ton of ton of edge that they would have. Uh, I think the, the issue is partially because facility is so broad. And then, you know, kind of to, to Justin's point, too, with the sponsors and everything, not only are there sponsors, there's going to be teams with on-site sports betting, which is just a whole nother wrinkle in this story that – Patrons can go on game day to a spot in the stadium and place a bet, but players are still prohibited from betting while on the facility, even if you're betting on college underwater basket weaving. Yeah, I, I agree with this completely. It it seems that the rules are overreaching, especially with the way that betting is going. But I do believe that the NFL wanted to get ahead. So at least it's not that they're now chasing to come back they're realizing that people are betting all over the place and now they're you know it's just it's not like the nil interim policy where they're kind of letting everything run free and now coming back to it they got ahead of it but i do think it does need to be revisited and things need to be looked at as to whether or not they're overbearing on the players especially with the way that sports betting legally has expanded and again the nfl is just making so much money from it I mean, the amount of revenue that has come in just because of sports betting sponsorships alone has increased a lot because you're having direct sponsorships. You're having the stadium itself house a sports book in some locations. So I just think that this is something that just needs to be revisited. Yeah, I, I think we could I think we can pin that. I mean, it's it's a, it's an important topic. Calvin Ridley was a big deal. We don't have we don't, we don't have somebody betting on their own team like what happened with Calvin Ridley. So maybe it's a step in the right direction, but like, I don't know, five, six guys on the same day, it's not not a great look. Um, okay, we're going to do a little bit of a wild card. Originally, I was going to do Schumacher second, but like we're talking about betting, we're talking about football. Guys, it is NFL Draft Week. Happy NFL Draft Week to those who celebrate. So, you know, I, uh, I like to dabble in the arts of uh, betting on the draft. I think it's a really fun event to bet. You really, this is like the, the, the Twitter savants, like, Super Bowl, like it's all an information up. You're just trying to figure out where smoke screens are. The first, you know, and there's a lot of things that move the line that maybe should have, but it's really all like Twitter based, really social media based in general. So I had a, 
I wanted to cover at least two topics in this kind of interesting world of the draft. We'll see what else comes up in the conversation. But, you know, quarterbacks obviously they get a lot of attention for the draft. And there's two stories that came out in recent days. Zach, I'm going to uh, – you had mentioned it. I think you know the entity. So the NFL does like a version um, – this is my understanding. So the NFL Wonderlick test is a test of like – the test that, uh, you know, prospective uh, prospects will take in order to, you know, play in the NFL. And it's basically – the Wonderlick test is kind of a test of aptitude. It, it tests – general you know i think it's in t- intended to t- uh, test intelligence like the acts or the sats or any of those now there's a new test that has built up some steam in the last couple of uh, years i think it's fairly new but it's called the s2 test you can tell me the, the technical name but um it's not a test that tests necessarily intelligence it tests your processing ability so i, I listened to a description of it it's like things are you know being flying at you and you have to kind of identify what these things are very quickly um it's kind of like a augmented reality system and it's like you're not you're not being judged by how smart you are just how quickly your brain processes information so i say that um but that's this with s2 test zach justin who, who wants to to kind of lay out what this uh s2 controversy is there there's a legal element here yeah i believe there's a little bit of a legal element just because you're dealing with money in a couple of respects one you're dealing with the uh draft as a whole the players of course well, if their position well, changes well, just more importantly who's the guy that's involved here this is very important yeah so the guy that is involved the most and whether or not this is true from what we saw today is cj stroud a uh, report came out and i believe it was actually a leak i don't think it was a report i believe it was a leak that showed the different scores of some of the players and I believe you saw some of the top quarterbacks, including Bryce Young and Will Levis, scoring in the 90s and 80s, which is sort of normal. And every once in a while, you'll have a player that dips below. It's not a foolproof test. It's not meant to show, oh, they're going to be an awful or a great quarterback. But the reason that this just shocked everybody was the fact that C.J. Stroud got, I believe, somewhere in the teens. And- yeah, 18th percentile. Was not, not, and again, Allegedly, allegedly, let's not yes. get sued here by uh, Ohio State great C.J. Stroud. Listen, we have don't don't come after us. We like you, C.J. Yeah, and I, it's one of those things that when that came out, I did see some comments saying that we don't know how accurate this really is because of how shocking it was. Uh, I mean, it could happen, I'm sure. And uh, we saw from the video of the interview on the Pat McAfee show of some of the things that could have contributed to a lower score, but the person, the representative from the company did seem to hint at the fact he wouldn't say names. He definitely was not about to name anybody about, uh, you know, their scores or what was true or what was false, but he hinted heavily that one of the scores, or I guess a couple of them two of the scores were very much misrepresented. And you can only assume that one of them was CJ Stroud's, but how much it was represented misrepresented is really, you know, up for debate. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how this kind of continues to develop this, this story Uh, in that, in that same video, he mentions that, you know, because it's really a large portion of it is how you react and your reaction times and things. So being tired or jet lagged or, something like that is is going to affect your scores and it's very probable and again he was very heavily hinting that some of these some of these players at least two of them were were just going to be were whenever they were doing these tests were very were very tired or just didn't want to do it not really engaged and so the tests without context uh were were not were not accurate and couldn't be taken to mean anything it was his biggest point that i think he kept driving home 
you know, I heard him say that, and I'm like, you know, if you get a bad score in the LSATs or a bad score in the SETs, like, no one really cares about what the context is. They care about the final number. So I'm not not necessarily sure I was buying that. I, I think what he was trying to say is, like, they allow some players to retake the test if they if they were under bad conditions. And I'm like, uh, that, that calls into question these results, because if you don't do well on the test, you can come up with whatever excuses you want, and you can retake the test. Uh, that's not it's not generally how tests work in like academia uh if you're not feeling well that day or you like your stomach feels you know have an upset stomach or whatever you have to go to the bathroom a lot like that doesn't usually give you the right to take the exam again so i don't know i had more questions than answers the reason um on, on the legal sense why this one came up and i and i have another cj stroud story before we go over to the will love stuff but like cj stroud you know they he was kind of the prohibitive you're supposed to go either one or number two so as of, as of this recording, we're recording this on Tuesday night, Bryce Young, I guess we'll talk about him in a minute. Bryce Young is supposed to go first. Um, but when the Panthers traded up to get the number one pick, it was a kind of 50-50 proposition who was going to get drafted first. Was it going to be, were they trading up to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? Did they not know, right? It was one of those two. So then once the arrows start pointing at Bryce Young to go first, everyone kind of assumes that C.J. Stroud's going to go second. So you have this story that CJ Stroud finishes in the, you know, 18th percentile of this S2 test. So I'm not sure, if, you know, again, we're not sure if that's accurate or not, whatever else. Uh, this guy, Ali, I think his name's Ali, uh, and someone can check me, but on for S2, like he's saying we had to speak to our attorney. You know, what, what's being alleged is, right, there was a leak of information. So someone from the inside is, I guess, someone's accusing them of leaking the information. So if that did occur, right, there could be some potential liability. So the other CJ Stroud piece, and then uh, I know I'll let you guys, you know, kind of chime in. You know, maybe it was like a day or two prior. Brady Quinn, former Cleveland Browns quarterback, former Notre Dame quarterback. He he goes, you know, he's on. I think he's. I'm not sure what show he's on. I think I think a CBS Sports show. But he basically tells a story that CJ Stroud was committed to go to the Mannings Passing Academy, and he no showed them the day before, and like that, you know, the Mannings are football royalty, and how dare he? So. In the days that have come since, you know, I, I think the consensus now is that, you know, he, he didn't, the Mannings were not expecting him to come. He did not, you know, he, he didn't, you know, commit and drop out. He just, he told him he wasn't going to be able to make it. So Ryan Clark, former NFL player, now ESPN analyst, called out Brady Quinn and said, that story's not true. You don't know what you're talking about. So, um, Zach, Justin, I mean, like, we're getting pretty close to what, what could be an interesting fact pattern about defamation. If Brady Quinn made up the story, um, so I'll leave it to you guys. Do we think do we think that Brady Quinn is going to get hit with a defamation case with C.J. Stroud now falling down draft boards? I think I think he's supposed to go third or fourth now after these two stories. Oh man, I sure hope not. It's just it seems like one defamation case after another, and the thing with you know the story about the Manning Academy and even the story about this cognitive test. I think the hardest thing would be to show causation. You have to show that this, both of these things, well, I guess individually, depending on the lawsuit, caused a dip. And that would just be almost impossible to prove with the amount of things, with the interviews, with the combine, with tape, with, you know, probably interviews they did with teammates or coaches. 
all of the things go into a draft prospect and where they're going to end up in it, or it might just be play style. It could be as simple as that. It's one of those things that teams take in so much and so much as a factor that I think you'd have a hard time building any sort of case that any of these things, you know, have affected the draft stock. And who knows, it might be a thing where you have executives don't even care about this cognitive test. This might just be a thing where, you know, the new era of analytics brought this test forward, but the GMs who have been around for a while don't care about it. They think that it's, you know, ludicrous. It doesn't really show anything. They think they're quarterback whispers that can find a quarterback in the rough who's, you know, not the right size, but he'll be great in the draft. It's just one of those things that I find that it'd be hard, but I mean, you know, there's been weirder defamation cases, so who knows? Yeah. I think it's going to be really, really tough to try to bring, to try to bring and prove a defamation case based on this. I mean, you know, Dan kind of mentioned that he's dropped down the projections, but I think the operative word there is projections. I mean, it's all speculation until the day comes. So no one really knows where anyone is going to fall. I mean, you know, people betting on it or thinking about it might have a, a decent idea, but the exact location is going to fluctuate and depend on all of those things that you just talked about, Justin. So it's going to be really, really hard to prove that direct causatory link between those two things. Yeah, I completely agree. It just, it seems like it's going to be nothing. And who knows? The projections from the beginning could have been wrong. CJ Stroud could have been further down uh, from the very beginning. And this whole Will Levis climb could have just been the projections actually catching up to what executives knew all along. Yeah, I, uh, we're going to obviously follow the NFL draft stuff. I find it, uh, I find it to be very fascinating. Uh, I guess that's CJ Stroud. So, I guess one other piece of um, news on the NFL front, and then you know I, we have some some fun AI stuff slash terrifying. But uh, let's let's do this. Will Levis. So this year's draft is really five quarterbacks that people are paying attention to in no particular order. Maybe this maybe this is the time where it is kind of a particular order. It's like you know Bryce Young is first. People that's what they talk about. Then some order of you know Will Levis or C.J. Stroud. And I guess Anthony Richardson in some some order, two, three, four, then Hendon Hooker is five. So those are the, your, your potential first round picks uh, on the quarterback side. So we I mentioned earlier that Bryce Young is kind of like the prohibitive favorite to go number one. Now, we do talk about sports betting on the show a lot. You want to hear a big of a favorite? Bryce Young was to go first. As of like, you know, I think 24 hours ago, he was a minus 3,000 favorite to go first. That means that you would need to bet $30 to win $1. It's like a, he's a huge, huge favorite. Or if you're like a complete baller, you need to bet $3,000 to win $100. Like it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot of money to risk to win very little. So um, certainly you could do it, but like, I don't know why. Why you want to pay so much juice? So the reason you don't do that is what happened today. We don't know what's going to happen in the draft until the name is called. You don't know what's going to happen. And there was an, a Reddit rumor that circulated that Will Levis was telling his friends and family that he was going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. So the source for this was some random guy on Reddit that's giving out like Marvel theories and Batman theories. And he just happens to also know about Will Levis. So based on what appears to be a rumor that started on Reddit, Will Levis, who was as of, you know, when this whole thing started, the, he was 40 to one to be the first overall pick in the draft. Vegas or the bookies thought this was so serious but they moved him down all the way from a 40 to one, which was a very big exposure if that happened to be the case, down to a four to one. 
So they dropped him down by, by 10 increments. So um, I don't know who this Reddit person was, but that seems to be the consensus that this is where this came from, that this whole entire odds for the entire draft, starting with the first overall pick, started with a rumor on Reddit. Now, let us say that this was fake and fraud in some type of way, shape, or form. Um, you know, Justin, Zach, I'll leave it to you. Is there any, any litigation, lawyers, right? Us lawyers like to get involved in anything. But do you think there's a cause of action here that somebody might find against someone? You, you might try if you were really stretching to do market manipulation. But again, that requires figuring out who this anonymous guy on Reddit was. If he actually has a personal relationship to, to Will Levis, which, I mean, he may, he may not. Uh, and it's it's one of those things that it's just so speculative that it's really, really, really hard to to have any lawsuit. Now, the fact that that sports books have have responded by knocking it down from 40 to one to four to one is pretty surprising, especially if it is just a rumor. But, uh, you know, I, that might just be them covering their exposure and trying to, you know, hedge their bets as, as more information becomes available. But I think it's going to be a, that would be a really big stretch and a, a very hard case to to prove on the merits for for really anything. Yeah, I'm 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 watching it. Like, there's an example. It's, it escapes me now, but like, I guess there's twofold. There's there's a guy Laramie Tunzel. Um, a couple years ago was supposed to be a top five pick in the draft, and he ends up dropping because on draft night we'll see if there's any wild cards that drop in our lap on draft night. But to make a long story short, somebody really least a picture of him on draft night in like a gas mask like taking a giant hit of a bong gas mask whatever you can tell i'm not a gas mask aficionado <laughs> but like you know doing something that doesn't really look good so tunzel drops in the draft he was at you know thought of to be the top tackle in the draft ends up having a great career he's i think he's now the highest paid tackle at his particular position um but it was someone releasing a picture that caused his draft stock to fall now i would call that all right it's different than market manipulation or whatever you want to call it that is seemingly tortious interference with the contract or intentional interference with someone's business expectations right you're releasing something on purpose to harm someone's earnings so that's pretty close um and then there was a, a linebacker it's a deep tackle i know he's from nebraska i think i think he got drafted by the bills this guy i mean it's gonna escapes me who it was maybe he went to stanford somebody one of the listeners will figure it out but you know there was a story that he was, this guy was supposed to be like a second or third round pick at defensive tackle. And he drops like he drops the third round, fourth round, fifth round. And then he gets drafted. And he was kind of in shock how he fell to a late round pick. I'm not sure what round it was, but it was like a substantial drop. And the team that drafted him said, like, as they called him to think about drafting, they're like, hey, how's your thumb feel? And the guy's like, how does my thumb feel? Like, is that some type of like, you know, euphemism that I don't know what this means? And the team's like, no, like, we heard you broke your thumb. Like, are you okay? And, it, you know, according to this, the, the player, I heard him do an interview on, uh, he's, he, the guy's from Nebraska High School, but, like, he said it was, as far as he was concerned, another team made this rumor up about a broken thumb, and he had it on good authority that somebody made this up. He didn't say which team or anything like that, but made this rumor up to cause this draft stock to fall. And, again, if you're making up a rumor and that's hurting someone's draft stock, yeah, like I, I think there could definitely be a lawsuit. But like, think about it the other way. You know, for all of these torts that we're talking about, or even like breach of contract, you have to have some type of harm. So like, Will Levis 
finding out that he might go first in the draft from some Reddit board, like, what's the harm that he might go higher in the draft, that someone might trade up to get him because he might be in consideration first? Like, there's no real harm. But if you think about it the other way, like, there's certain, certainly examples that have happened in, in NFL draft history where someone's stock was harmed. And then there could have been a lawsuit. Still, to this date, I don't think there's been an NFL-type lawsuit or a draft-type lawsuit. But with the kind of smokescreen era that we're in and, you know, people trying to give misdirections to try to hurt someone's draft stock or be able to get somebody, you know, there, there's certainly liability. Like, you know, guys, we, we are – maybe at some point we'll do, a, you know, a fantasy baseball league or something. But, like, you know, I remember being in fantasy leagues with my friends and I'm like, oh, this guy, you know, and he got pulled from his last spring start. He might not be ready to go. And, like, we're just having fun with our friends, but like you know, if you're actually harming the guy's draft stock, like this fantasy football, fantasy baseball doesn't matter. But if you're actually harming someone's draft stock with a lie, or you're and not even a lie, like a picture of someone in a gas mask, yeah, there's there's definitely liability on the other end. Yeah, I agree, and I think one of the things going back to the betting aspect where Will Levis has gone now to four to one, part of it too could just be the influx of bets. I know that lines shift as bets come in and not saying that it would have been, you know, drastic enough to make it 40 to one to four to one. I think it's more that as more Will Levis stuff has come out, the teams have been feeling him more and more as being higher in the draft. I think that's shifted it, but I think this having it go all the way to four to one definitely might have something to do with the fact that there was just a ton of influx in betting that caused the lines to shift. Um, and I think that ultimately could be what it is. And again, it, I would bet plus 10,000. I mean, anybody could challenge me. I'll put up a bet that's plus 10,000 of this story being true from this Redditor. Um, because I mean, you've got about a 95% shot of anything on Reddit being false. So having this story just come out of nowhere from some anonymous user that knows it has information. It just, it just reeks of being absolute BS. And so I, I, I think it's just going to pass in the wind. I think there's going to be a whole, you know, maybe a footnote about it next year when the draft happens or when Will Levis gets picked. But I, I think it's just going to fade away. We'll see. I mean, listen, if you, someone threw a $5 flyer out on Will Levis, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, speaking of things maybe being made up and being BS and not buying it, uh, Zach, are you ready for this? Absolutely. Okay, before we do this, a little bit of business. So we've been talking a lot about football, a lot about the draft. Uh, for all of your NFL betting needs, turn to Better Edge, our sponsor. Use our promo code CONDUCT for a $20 match bonus. They do a lot of cool stuff over there. Uh, and just I, I don't want to say exactly what they do. I want people to go and check out the site again. You, the best way to support our show is check out some of our sponsors, be Better Edge or be Themis. Might have a new sponsor coming on soon, but that's the best way to support our show. Now, moving away from the gridiron and moving into the uh, the world of AI, can you tell us just – I'm not sure everyone's aware of the story. I know the three of us were kind of like nerding out about it. Give us as much detail, Zach, as you can on this AI lawsuit probably first of its kind involving Michael Schumacher, a German magazine and go. Yeah. So we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but you know, some, some of our listeners might not have a great idea of who Michael Schumacher is. He's a seven time world world champion in formula one retired in 2006 and has really been out of the public eye since 2013. Uh, he had a, a major skiing accident uh, that caused a, a major brain injury. And since then, he has not been seen or heard from publicly, although he is still uh, still alive. 
So recently, uh, last week, there was a German tabloid, essentially, uh, which their name transfers or translates to the actual, which I thought is funny in context of this story, uh, who ran a purported interview with Michael Schumacher, touted as the first interview because he hasn't given a public appearance or any statements since this accident. Um, since that has aired, there's been uh, a lawsuit filed by the family, or they at least said that they were going to file a lawsuit against this uh, this tabloid because the, uh, the the editor or the author of the article ended up using uh, AI, used artificial intelligence to say, oh, hey, pretend that you're Michael Schumacher. I'm going to ask you these questions. You're going to give me the answers. And while the article did disclaim at the very end that it was written with the use of AI, you know, it's got a picture of Michael's face on the front. It's made to sound like he's giving the answers. And so the family is obviously very upset about this. Uh, it wasn't anything that they allowed or sanctioned or, or, or gave the okay for. And so they ended up suing the, uh, or plan to sue the, uh, the tabloid and the editor of the magazine has actually been, been fired as a result uh, because it is a, a German tabloid and Michael Schumacher is German. And they're, they're very embarrassed by all of this. You know, the, the editor kind of went out on a limb and, and decided to, to, to run this story and Michael Schumacher in, you know, in Germany is considered, you know, an icon, someone to be respected. And, you know, this this really didn't do him a service or did him a disservice and did the magazine a, a major disservice. And so he has been I, asked. I, say something? I, I think I think the decision to run this was disgusting. Uh, at, at best, you're exploiting someone who's, you know, we don't know exactly what, what Michael Schumacher is going through, but even though his son, right, you know, Mick Schumacher has, you know, made the Formula One rounds. Like, we haven't seen Michael Schumacher once. And, you know, there's, there was a recent uh, Netflix documentary that came out about him. People, people should watch it. But, like, you know, he's going through some form of paralysis. Like, we're not exactly sure what what's going on. And, you know, for a magazine to say the first interview, like, have no preface on this. They put the disclaimer all the way at the end of the article. Like, it's disgusting that this was an idea that was presented, number one. And then number two, right? From the legal side and then you know justin i, I want to hear where you kind of come out on this but like there are ways to use someone's you know nil rights name image and likeness rights and you know again unless if you're coming to the podcast name image and likeness is a, a term that's used outside of sports this happened to you know we're applying nil to college athletes but we've been talking about nil for decades and decades you know there, there is a concept in in ip law in you know nil law that you could use someone else's ip if you're doing it in a form of parody if you're doing it in a form that's an obvious joke, right? There's a way, way to use the these material in terms of a fair use, right? Like there's there's elements that you could use it. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what this German magazines there are, you know, this tabloids their, their arguments are going to be. Um, I imagine they're going to try to say something along the lines of like, hey, Schumacher doesn't talk to anybody in the media at any point in time. We assume that people would know well, that this is not a real interview because he doesn't speak to anybody. And why would he talk to us of, of all people? He hasn't spoke to anybody in you know, like in years. Right. Um, I don't know if that's the argument, but that's that's the only thing I can think of that, like legal might have said. Right. Legal had to have weighed in on this. And, you know, if their argument was like, hey, uh, you know, listen, this is fair use. Like, I don't I don't buy it. But like, I can't think of any other logical explanation they thought they could run with this article and not get the pantsuit off them. 
Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit harder into this magazine. I believe it was just an ignorance of AI. I believe with what we've seen recently, uh, you know, the stories of these, uh, it's like Ghostwriter, the guy who made a song that was essentially an AI version of Drake. And it was apparently a pretty decent song. I never listened to it, but we're just seeing a wild west of people using AI to, you know, to their benefit in a way that we're kind of not really sure about. And the legal landscape definitely isn't up to. And so with the legal side of it, with this magazine, I almost think they just thought it's AI. It's not actually Michael Schumacher, even though, you know, they claimed it was, and you have so many different issues with this one. You're dealing with privacy law and you're, you're going after not going after, but you know, you're covering somebody who has become extremely private ever since the accident on December of 2013. They have been extremely private. The Schumacher family has made sure that Michael has stayed out of the spotlight. Like you said, Mick has his time in Formula One. He is still a reserve driver in Formula One currently and hopes to make a return. I hope he makes a return. I think, you know, Mick's a great guy who I think deserves at least another seat. Aside from privacy law, you also have this, it's almost like false attribution. You have the AI answering questions, but saying it's Michael Schumacher, but the way the AI works is just going to be delving into what they think Michael Schumacher would say. So it's very misleading. It's very concerning. Uh, Not only did it probably confuse consumers who read it, because I guarantee you not everybody read the full article or read every single word and comprehended every single word. It also is dangerous and, you know, sort of a slap in the face of the family. Then the Schumacher family is, you know, motor racing royalty. Uh, I mean, Michael Schumacher is in the conversation for the greatest ever Formula One driver with, you know, Ayrton Senna and Lewis Hamilton. It's one of those kind of, you know, what generation did you grow up in? Because I never saw Michael Schumacher race. So I've only experienced the dominance of Lewis Hamilton as, you know, video video watchers can see that I'm wearing my Mercedes garb currently. And so it's one of those things that I saw the article and instantly just was disgusted with it. And I don't believe there's going to be any legal action. I think that the magazine did all that they could. They fired the editor in chief. They have rescinded the article and taken it down as much as they possibly could. But I think this just marks another, you know, legal issue in AI that is going to start poking its head out more and more as time goes on. Uh, let's, let's see. I, I'm not, I mean, guys, the lawsuit hasn't been filed. That press release was just that they intend to file a lawsuit. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if it was intent to file a lawsuit or if it was just saying this could happen. There's rumors about it. I, I didn't see anything about like an intent or filing. I think, I think the, the article to file the lawsuit. Yeah. The article ahead, that I, that I saw said that it was, uh, his family was, planning legal action so it wasn't just that they were considering it but we're actually in the process of bringing an action you know what it would be very odd if they didn't file the lawsuit there's some things like you know in in, uh contract law or you know just different contracts we write like some some things you can cure by like you know i I don't know the right example but like you know rescinding the article firing the editor like that doesn't really cure the damage here and, you know, maybe in this world of artificial intelligence, someone needs to be made an example of. And if this is where it is, like, 
I'm okay with it. I have no, I have no sympathy for these people that thought they could sell magazines, you know, by exploiting someone's medical condition and their inability to speak to the media. Um, I think it's kind of gross, but, um, on a, on a lighter note, uh, Justin, you, you kind of have like quite the Jersey repertoire. Like, I feel like every time you're on here, you just have these sweet jerseys you, you take out. I, I am a loyal fan to a bunch of different bases. I will say that. Uh, I mean, growing up in Indiana, I've had a Pacers jersey on. I've had a Colts jersey on. My parents both went to Purdue, so I had a Purdue jersey on, which didn't go well for the NCAA tournament. I will say that. But yeah, now we I knew we were going to be talking about Formula One. I had to, you know, rep the jersey. And also, uh, I've been waiting a month for this race. Okay, there's been a large gap in the beginning of the season for some reason. Uh, and I went back and looked at other scheduling, like schedules from 2022 and 2021. There was never this big of a gap in the beginning of the, the season. So I'm very confused as to why it was scheduled this way. I, I think there was supposed to be a Chinese a race in China in the middle. I think it was supposed to be the 16th, 15th, 16th. I saw it on my, my app. But, either, um, either China or Russia, because they were both canceled. Okay. Oh, well, that's, that's what you get for scheduling races in China and Russia. That's what you get. It's we call it's what we call the assumption assumption of the risk. Um, okay, uh, as we start to put this episode in the books, uh, reminder: our podcast is sponsored by Themis Bar Review, top bar prep company in the galaxy. Use our promo code GoodSport500, and you'll get uh, a mystery amount of dollars off. It might be five hundred, might be more, might be less. We had someone, one of our listeners, uh, reach out and they're like, "What's that code?" And I'm like, "GoodSport500." We're like, "It's not working." And then uh, I called our friends at Themis, and I'm like, "What's up with the code?" And they're like. Oh, the code expired. And I'm like, can we put the code back on? I'm like, yes, Dan, for you guys at Conduct, anything. So the code is still good. If you're listening to this and it's like, we have people, I get the numbers. People go back and listen to all the old episodes. Like I, I get the numbers. And let's say you're listening to this. We're recording this, uh, what's today? It's like April 25th, 2023. If you're listening to this on April 25th of 2024, a year from now, just hit me up. We'll figure this out. We'll figure out your promo code. Um, okay, guys, uh, I have one more, and then, and then we'll close today's episode. I'm happy. Uh, hopefully, my audio wasn't too shitty. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all for a good cause. Uh, the one update I wanted to give is from my world of uh, professional wrestling. Ted DiBiase Jr., the son of the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Why am I bringing him up? I don't think Ted, Ted DiBiase, former professional wrestler, is that important that we would bring him up on the show. But it's a topic we've covered a couple times. Uh, it is the Brett Favre, Pat McAfee lawsuit. So um, he something happened to Ted DiBiase that's very relevant to that case. So just by way of brief background, those that have been uh, there's been a number of people that have been investigated civilly, charged criminally uh, in the Brett Favre case. Ted DiBiase, again, former professional wrestler, was one of these people that was in Favre's situation. He was involved with the civil cases, but he had not been charged criminally. Um, you know, according to our uh, friend of the show, AJ Perez over at Front Office Sports. You know, that uh, Ted DiBiase was involved in some of these meetings with Prevacus, the same drug that Brett Favre was involved in. I think they, he attended a meeting at Brett Favre's home, again, according to A.J. Perez. Ted DiBiase all of a sudden is criminally indicted last week. So why is that relevant to the Brett Favre story? Brett Favre, remember, is suing Pat McAfee for, for defamation. He's saying that when uh, Pat McAfee called him, you know, they alleged, alleged that he stole money from poor people, that that was defamation that Brett Favre didn't steal money from poor people didn't you know misappropriate welfare funds and that was akin to you know basically lying on purpose that's what Pat McAfee's being accused of and remember folks in defamation the truth is always an absolute defense 
So if Brett Favre ends up getting indicted, right? And, you know, that's that's a DA putting their stamp of approval or the grand jury putting their stamp of approval on, on a particular case. That's a really terrible omen for Brett Favre's defamation case, right? Because the truth is an absolute defense. If Brett Favre gets convicted to any one of these kind of, you know, criminal fraud crimes, that's, a fin- that, that's it. Pat McAfee's going to win his win his defense. The case is going to get thrown out. So the fact that, you know, the Mississippi, you know, uh, the Justice Department over there, whatever, whatever entity, you know, is behind this. The fact that they pursued this and the grand jury came out with an indictment for Ted DiBiase Jr. Brett Favre's got to be a little bit nervous here. Brett Favre's got to have that like bead of sweat dripping down his forehead. Right. He's this big man. He's paying like 12 lawyers to sue Pat McAfee and Shannon Sharp, you know, independent of what he does in that civil case. If he is he is indicted here. I mean, that's the end of his civil case. He's got to go ahead and I, I would think discontinue and just kind of face the music. So we'll see. I mean, I, 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 I'm anxiously awaiting the next one if, if there is someone to get indicted here. I understand, you know, this is not a good look for Ted DiBiase. Uh, just to go through some of the charges, there were six counts of wire fraud, two counts of theft concerning programs receiving federal funds, four counts of money laundering and conspiracy to commit wire fraud and to commit theft concerning programs receiving federal funds. So there's a lot of charges, which means there's a lot of avenues that can be taken against Ted DiBiase. And it doesn't look good for Favre either, because according to you know some of the court documents we've seen, his name is being placed in the same sentences as Ted DiBiase Jr. And you know Nancy and Zach New, who have already pled guilty, so we're still seeing that, you know, of course, all of this is alleged. I'm not trying to get sued at the young spry age of 26. Um, and, you know, we will have to see more as this comes out. But I just don't think this looks good for uh, the Ted DiBiase legacy. And that is an extremely deep cut with the word legacy there for WWE fans. Um, Ted DiBiase Jr. That was a good, that was a very yeah. good one, Justin. So, that was excellent. That yeah, was excellent. If, you, if you understand that, uh, we can definitely hang out sometime. But yeah, <laughs> again, I think definitely more is going to come from this with all these counts. I mean, the cases are going to move forward, but I agree with you that, I mean, truth is the absolute defense in a defamation case. So we'll have to see uh, what comes out from it. To quote our friend, you know, maybe future friend of the show, Randy Orton. uh, I hear voices in my head. I think that's what's happening to Brett Favre right now. He's hearing the voices in his head. Discontinue that lawsuit against Pat McAfee, who is a friend of the show. We can confirm that Pat is aware of our coverage of the case. And I think very appreciative. So on that note, I think we should end it here. Uh, Great topics. Again, we go across the sports world each and every week. Uh, You can support our sponsors or how about this? How about this? Leave us a five-star review, rate, review, subscribe. Tell us how much you love us. Always helps support and grow the show. Um, Guys, I think we can end it. Excellent job, Justin, Zach. And uh, yeah, for myself, for Dan Wallach, and all of us here at Conduct Detrimental, we will see you next time on another episode of Conduct Detrimental.